Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome to the Schmidt List, the podcast for people dedicated to managing successful projects developing impactful products, and building engaged teams. And now, here's your host, Kurt Schmidt. How are you in Chateau Milstein? Fabulous, Kurt. <laughs> it's a little hot and a little sunny, but I can, I'll be fine. Good, good. I'm glad to hear that. So, Howie, tell me about the work that you do. You are one of the first personal trainers in the Twin Cities. You've been an entrepreneur. You've done a lot and writing books and all that. Kurt, I have such an amorphous blob of a career path that I can't even get into it. And by the way, all the, all the stuff that I've done, you probably, and, and I, I probably have some competency somewhere. We're still looking for it. But you've got all these job openings at the foundry. Yep. You're probably not capable of doing any of them, right? <laughs> crazy thing you know i'm I'm not i'm just not gonna be so sure i wouldn't be so sure (laughs) well i have you know so i traditional looking career a little entrepreneurial is i've started up a couple of businesses yeah but it all just boils down to one thing kurt at this point in my life i like to challenge conventional thinking yeah people to think better i want them i want people to take a look at data and evidence and think based on that yeah. Not just take for granted that the first thing you heard or saw is the truth. <laughs> I, I do career coaching now. I, I speak. It's about emotional intelligence. It's about ego management. Checking your ego at the door is very important to me. And and I'm starting a Vistage peer advisory group. So now I get to hopefully scale some of my approach to thinking to CEOs and business leaders and presidents and and see if we can create... <laughs> Better environments for their employees and, and healthier businesses. That's an admirable place to be. I, w- I did run a quick plug your book and talk about uh, the book that you've done. Uh, here's here it is uh, all live in Amazon. And uh, yeah, it's it's pretty straightforward title there, Howie. And there's really not much to guess about what this what this book is about. Do you want to do you want to quickly tell me Kurt, who's this book for? It's for every human being <laughs> who occasionally plays a leadership role in their lives, regardless of their titles. And it's about, it's really a short compendium on emotional intelligence, building trust and checking your ego at the door. And it shows how we all can show up as being that person we don't want to be because you don't have to be intentional about it. And you don't even have to realize you did it, but just sometimes you're a dick. It just is such a natural part. So we, it, the more we can recognize that and the more we can control for that, the healthier that the communities that we're leading around us will be. Yeah. That's it. And by the way, I saw it. 
So who, why in the world is there a used book option out there? Who's going to return a fourteen dollar book? What are they? What does somebody make by selling a used book? I don't know. I guess there is a couple of versions though, but two of them for ten bucks? Oh my goodness, that's embarrassing. Because I would think that it would just show up on people's coffee tables and <laughs> it never leave. Apparently. <laughs> It shouldn't because it is a fantastic book. And and, and that's a, what we're talking about today, too, is that self-awareness, that self-assessment is something that's very interesting to me because it's been a part of my journey is understanding kind of the weight that you carry as a leader. And I think you also touched on something else that I find really important, Howie, is that that leadership when you don't know you're a leader, when maybe you don't have the title because I've definitely run into folks before that are like, I'm not a leader. I don't have the, I don't have a title like director or manager or these types of things. So I don't need to, I don't need to pay attention to my leadership skills. Listen, if you're in a group of people and you're doing anything ever to try to influence other people's thinking, Mm -hmm. you're guiding them, you're leading them. So no, a leader has nothing to do with title. And by the way, we have plenty of examples of what looks like leaders as being autocratic, and it doesn't do so well for the particular community around us. Now, so that's not really what I would call a leader. I would call that the boss. Yeah. Would you say, Howie, that you've learned more from the good leaders you've had in your life or the bad leaders that you've had in your life? I like to say equivalent because it just sounds like you want to balance optimism and positive things. But honestly, we remember the bad things way more. I mean, think about it. Because when you're hurt, it you remember that. Yeah. So I just think it's more profound seeing the behaviors that really you don't want to emulate. And you think that is what I don't want to do. Mm-hmm. So I think for me, at least, it's been more of the bad leaders. And thankfully, I've had plenty of bad ones to learn from. <laughs> let's let's just say that after one of my gigs i spent a good six months like studying sociopathy and psychopathy i I had no clue what was going on once i had insight into that i thought then it clicked but oh my god was that an experience yeah no i've definitely in my youth i've definitely been in situations where it's almost felt like manipulation like it's felt something it's felt dark in some of those places in the past. So I totally understand what you mean. And yeah, that really influenced how I then went to influence other other people because I yeah. didn't want I didn't want to make other people feel as confused and and upset as I was on a constant basis. Sometimes you're made yeah, you're made to feel like you're just a party to somebody's plan to take over the world. Yeah. And and they don't care about fallout. Yep. And yep. you're part of that. Feels bad. It does feels bad. And by the way, those kind of hurts, Kurt, are just as profound as a slug in the face. Yeah, they're felt in the same part of the brain, and they're profound. And you have to you have to give yourself credit for being hurt. Sometimes people say, "Oh, that's just business," or "I'll just excuse." I I won't take that personally. You can't help but take stuff personally. Yep, and we see that we see that all the time. Like. we, yeah, just, just use yourself as an example. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's the thing is that I the there's some really easy characteristics that I've seen in bad leadership, and it comes down to that self awareness, just having some self awareness. And I think it's hard to spend that time working on yourself, but that's it's super important you do that, right? Because you have to think: Do I have a problem with people questioning my beliefs? Do I? 
if people question my beliefs, do I get defensive? Do I get angry? Do I shut them down? Can I own my mistakes or do I blame other people? These are quick things that you can do personally to start to think. Can I emotional intelligence, right? Emotional intelligence is just the ability to be able to recognize and define and describe your emotions. If you're That's able, all it is. If you're able to explain how you're feeling, you're already in a good spot for emotional intelligence. But you go through those just those just three of those things, which is the tip of the iceberg to really understanding how you are perceived in the world is easy, I feel, but people just don't seem to take the time. The problem, Kurt, is what you're talking about is a cerebral process where you've got conscious awareness of how you're feeling. Right. Don't forget, all this stuff is processed through the limbic system of your brain, the emotional center, and it hijacks your ability to be intentional about things sometimes. So the exercise it's, and it's always really easy to see it in other people, yeah, but sure. it's hard in yourself because it's your own amygdala. It's your own brain that's reacting. And all of a sudden, bam, you said something or did something or a little bit of body language just shut somebody out. Yep. We get defensive. If somebody, like you mentioned, if somebody questions your beliefs, there's an inclination to just get defensive. But un until you say to yourself, and it takes a millisecond, no, I'm going to take that in. I'm going to consider it and I'm going to act differently. It doesn't take long. It's, it's your mindset. Mindset is that cognizant belief that can override that emotional charge of a threat. Right. right? That's that was probably one of the first warning signs with some of bad uh, leaders, bad bosses, people that I worked with in the past was is that they believed things, but they couldn't explain why they believed those things. They just were. And they just they would just spend their time trying to manifest these things out of thin air. This is where we're going today. This is where <laughs> I want to go with you on my own line of questioning. So you're totally falling into my trap. Perfect. Well played. And I so your people should know that I did not give forecast any of this stuff to you. I just said, Kurt, I'll come on the show if I get to ask you the questions. This yeah, time. you can ask me the questions. Oh, God, you're a brave man. A lot of people wouldn't have agreed to that. Not so I caught, you, uh, I caught you at a moment of weakness. <laughs> yeah. So let's just tee this up really quickly first. Yeah. You've done a, a zillion of these podcasts and livecasts. When did you start doing them and how many have you done? I've had now with the podcast is almost 145 episodes. And I don't know how many live shows we've done. It's probably close to... 20 or 30 I th it's almost coming up on a year so we've done almost one a week since june wow. of last year okay so you've talked to 160 170 people over Easy, the past yeah. yeah and i know you're smart you got a good memory so you remember everything that you've learned from everybody so that's pretty that's impressive 100 percent, yes yeah so well, i recorded I, them all <laughs> <laughs> so i can go back and listen i imagine the pay kind of sucks why do you do these? I've said it on the show before, How, to be honest, it's, it's one of the fastest and most impactful ways I've found to grow personally. I, I love reading. I love movies, books, all those different things. But what I found that in myself that I learn the most from other people's experiences, more so than I do from traditional course taking, whatever the case may be, but learning from other people's experiences has probably had the most, given me the most value in my career. Okay. I'm going to, I'm so 
I'm going to jump to some other. I had some other easy questions for you. They're going away. Uh, the, I'm, done with, I'm done with the lightning round. Hardball with Howie Milstein. Okay. Now we're going hardball. Okay. So you've learned from people, but have you accepted generally as gospel what people have said? Meaning you haven't challenged me. I could be abjectly wrong. Yep. What do you do, Kurt? First of all, have you ever had a guest on the show where you just vehemently disagreed with what they said? And what did you do about it? Yeah, I mean, it's pretty rare that happens because a lot of times before we do a show, we'll do a pregame conversation, right, where we talk through themes and topics. But I've definitely uh, deliberately had people on the show that I disagreed with their approach and they've disagreed with my approach. But the thing was, is that I knew that this person that I was having on was interested in having a debate, not in being right necessarily. So mm -hmm. I've definitely had people on the show that have different viewpoints on management and leadership than I do. But what I appreciate about those conversations is that they were open up, they were open to having a debate about the topic, not just leaving with the last word. Okay, that's pretty emotionally evolved, by the way, to take that approach. Listen, Kurt, there's many ways of evolution. I'm always, I'm only giving you credit for that one right now. Okay. <laughs> so I want to get to talk a little bit about bias yeah. and where it comes from and how we manage it. And we've got intrinsic bias training now, theoretically, in organizations because inclusion and diversity is so important. Mm-hmm. And if I was Sasha Baron Cohen doing like the Borat character, I'd say, so is bias training teaching you how to take a real biased approach and stick with it and, and just defend it till the day you die? Because mm. I would teach people to do that in bias training. Yeah. I don't think so. I still don't know what bias training is. Do you? <clears throat> you know, um, the, only, the only bias training that has worked on me is like I said, just spending more time with people that don't have the same thoughts and beliefs that I do. The more time that I can spend with those people. And I think this show by my company has been a vehicle in helping me bridge that gap because working in the tech industry over the years, the majority of the people that I've worked with look like me had backgrounds like me, went to schools like I did, grew up in neighborhoods like I did. And what I found over the years is that the, it became back to growth for me, personal growth. I've learned everything I can from old white dudes. I look at one in the mirror every day. So for me, understanding that I do have bias and that I, but I have moved it towards the forefront of how I think. And so a lot of times the bias is how I'm trying to show up instead of trying to keep it in the back and keep it under wraps is throwing it out there to allow for people to help me challenge it. Because mm -hmm. what I believe is that the more I can dig into what is subconscious and bring it forward and just be open and transparent and vulnerable about it, which is, again, back to what I was saying before, which most leaders have a real problem with. I'm in charge. I'm the manager. I can't be seen as vulnerable. Nobody will ever listen to me. That's such crap. And so if I can show up, especially to my team and say, hey, I don't know everything when it comes to building an awesomely diverse company, but I'm hiring you to help me do that. It makes a big it makes a big difference because I make yeah. it part of I make it part of the job and the culture of the people that work with us 
to hold each other accountable. It's part of the job description. So I don't know if that's a great answer for what you, you were asking oh, me, but there's no good answers here. If you get the right answer, I'll let you know. Okay, thank you. I want a gold star, too. Yes, by the way. If I think you have the right answer, that's my own bias showing up. <laughs> I, I, have to, I have to go out in the world assuming I don't know crap. Yep. And then just approach everything with curiosity and a scientific mindset, which means looking at evidence. And But we have a lot of bias around us. It's been showing up in the front page of the paper for the last number of years. And... Where does it come from? Do, do people have an inclination to just believe and accept as truth the first thing that they hear and then they just stick with it? Or we've gotten it somehow subconsciously through our upbringing. By the time we're six years old, we're stuck with them. Where do, where do these come from? Kurt? Yeah, I would say it's all the things. For me personally, I would say a lot of who I am foundationally came from my upbringing. My father was a minister. I thought getting up in front of people and telling people how to live their lives every week was pretty normal thing for a guy like me to do. And so I never got, I was never afraid of public speaking or any of those things, watching dad every Sunday um, preaching to a con congregation. Now, did I personally grow up religious? No. And and so you might say, if your father was a minister, aren't you biased towards being a religious person and all those different things? No, because my personal experiences in the world that I created over time influenced what those biases were. So, yeah, I definitely could say there's some foundational pieces that I've seen with people, but I think it's about the choices you make, about the direction you go. I was lucky as a young person, and I would when I was a professional cyclist, I got to travel the world going to competitions, which really opened my eyes up out of being from just uh, this small area in the Midwest. And so that, I think, helped a lot. But again, I, I go back to it's the choices we make. It's the people we and in those choices, the people we're surrounding ourselves with. So that's why when I get people that tell me, like, I've got this boss that's really this and that and the other thing. And we go through ways that they could maybe work with them and figure out how to do it. And they don't. At some point, I tell them, like, it's time to pull the ripcord. I know it's scary. COVID's going on. Nobody wants to be out of a job right now. But the choices you make are going to influence who you're going to become. So if you're not taking those risks and chances now, it doesn't matter if COVID's here or not. Like, you, it's still going to affect you for the rest of your life. So you've actually had this mindset from early on that you're going to approach the world with some curiosity, right? Because you didn't get it from your father who taught people how to be. <laughs> it wasn't his worldview. You've come up with this, your own worldview and perhaps being a podcast, live cast host is the way to really just stay curious and just keep exploring. Yeah, I would say I and I coach a lot of people on this, Howie. Find a way to make your curiosity part of your hobbies. And I don't mean just like building Legos or painting uh, B-51 bombers or something. The way that I look at it is that if I can build up better questions, I'm a better leader. And I can't get those great questions from places that just go and tell you how to think or what to do. You got to go to places and surround yourself with things that will give you the better questions that you need to ask. 
And sometimes that is other people. I don't mind. Like when the election was going on, I was flipping between CNN and Fox News like every five minutes just because I wanted to see what what are both sides saying? Not because I'm strongly belief in one or the other. It's not about that. But for me, it was more about I was just really curious to people's reactions about what was going on. I was more enthralled in that than I was in the actual election. You know, and admittedly for me, that would simply be an exercise in managing low blood pressure. <laughs> going, <laughs> I'm sorry, I you know I I couldn't help but just get enraged at certain things. Yeah, and those things that I got enraged about was the non-evidence based appraisal of situations. Yeah, but right? that's, again, whether it's on a on a national scale when it has to do with the election, I've run into the same thing with people who have just worked for me at old jobs where it was 10 of us in a warehouse and this person was questioning me saying why do we buy these t-shirts these t-shirts come from a uh, a place that's not a good place and we shouldn't buy those t-shirts and i'm like what evidence do you have that these are a buddy a friend of mine told me that this guy who runs this thing is a bad guy and i'm like have you met the guy have we talked to it like you know, i've Again, like it doesn't have to be on this national scale. We all are dealing with people and their beliefs and how they and emotional intelligence is about understanding why you believe something. There's times where you're going to run into people where you can't you can't get them to that spot. They have to go on that journey on their own. So you have to make the choice. Am I going to go on that journey with them or am I going to take the nearest exit <laughs> and, and circle back on the frontage road maybe later when they found that answer? And you've got to make that choice. And I see over the past couple of years, people making that choice with businesses, with their families, with all yeah. those other things. But again, it goes back to those choices you make are the where, what's going to end you up where you're at. They say you're an amalgamation of the five closest people around you or something like that. That's totally true. The people who are directly influencing you on a daily basis are influencing you. And so if you haven't made the right choices. Yeah. One of the reasons, Kurt, that I wanted to ask you questions is that the older I get, and I'm getting older all the time. Yeah, I'm getting older by the minute, honestly. I know. Or even by the second. We can break that down. (laughs) But I real, you know what? I am trying to just come to grips with the fact that I just don't really know all that much. And when I speak, oftentimes I'll say, look, take this for what it's worth. Because in in all likelihood, much of what I'm gonna say today in 10 years can be proven out to be false anyhow. (laughs) So take it for what it's worth, you know? And we need to be open to the idea that we're just wrong. Look at, we have many examples in our life, Galileo, Earth Earth flat. Was it Copernicus with the flat earth thing? Maybe it was. (laughs) Ostracized by the church. Anyhow, but I went to the University of Minnesota and studied for my master's degree in physiology. I take a lot of nutrition. So it was the school of Ansel Keys. And Ansel Keys was the guy who said, saturated fat, no good. Right. Can have it, bad for you, causes heart disease. Yep. And I grew up fearful of eggs for like decades and because I believed that I took it for granted. I didn't challenge it. And it turns out there was a big Time Magazine article that exposed him as saying, look, he just conveniently eliminated data that came from France and Western Germany. <laughs> his high fat diet, nobody had heart disease. And then the data comes out 
late, I think a couple years later, that the sugar lobby was paying Harvard researchers to write stories about saying how bad fat was and sugar was okay. <laughs> so, yep. you know, so we don't know stuff. No. And the more we can start with that, the more the discourse is just one of discovery and questioning and being open-minded and never settling on it. It's a more of a scientific method. My, yeah. In my master's degree, we just spent hours beating the crap out of studies about how they're not valid or the population wasn't right or the methodology wasn't right. When they got to statistical methods, that I was done talking about it at that point. Yeah. I don't want to talk about it. But I'm just telling you, there's there, we learn to be skeptical about everything. Now I think we need to be skeptical about ourselves. Yes. Uh, and last week, I was having a conversation with somebody, and she indicated that she's been suffering. She's a CEO of, her, of a company, family-run company, and um, just really upset that she's going to work every day with imposter syndrome. Mm. And so we, but I suggested to her, and it was validated in this book. This is another book. This is not my book. I don't make a penny doing it, but this is one to read. Uh, Think Again by Adam Grant. My wife actually turned me on to that book. She's done many nice things for me, including this book. Imposter syndrome is great because at least you understand that you don't know stuff and you're just trying to wing it or fake it till you make it and you get better. So I think imposter syndrome is actually a growth mindset. But we had talked about overconfidence before and that big ego thing. It's when maybe one little factoid, think way more than that and don't really learn or study the real empirical evidence ahead of you. That's when you get in trouble. But if you're an imposter, if you, you know that you're an imposter, great. You'll yeah. figure it out along the way. You're the, I don't know what your title is. Is it Tsar? What's the title with the- uh, The founder, uh, title is president and partner. President, okay, president. Yeah. Um, you have that title that conveys ultimate leadership, and I bet you're a better leader today than you were a year ago Oof. and certainly yeah. two years ago. Yep. So how have you, Matt, what have, how have you approached all that? Yeah, and, and that's, <laughs> a lot of it has come through coaching other people is that self-awareness, right? Is where I get people bringing up, like, how can I get to this level in my career or my business at this sort of level? And a lot of it is me digging into my past. Okay, what has got me in these ways. And I could be flipping about it and be like, yeah, the problem I have with the imposter syndrome was in my late twenties, early thirties. Like I was scared to death that people would find out I didn't know what I was doing. You know, now in, in my elder years, I, that's how I start the conversation. I have no idea what's going on. And that's, that's confidence because that's the thing that I found. And that's the thing with my children that I really focus on is building confidence because I feel like having the ability to pick up the phone and call that person or having the ability to put an idea out in the world, having an idea to make the call in a business um, that's worth millions of dollars um, riding on that decision, having the confidence to be able to do those things is where it allows you to open up those doors to, to start to create the life and career that you want. But where does this confidence come from it comes from in my case screwing up a ton <laughs> i like to tell when i'm talking with somebody who might be interested in a hiring founder they're like why should i hire your company and i'm like simple because i'm from the future 
I've already done everything you're about to do and screwed it up in 99 ways. And I know the one path to get us through that's going to get you to where you need to go. So you're hiring me because I've already done everything you're about to do in transforming your business and screwed it up with other businesses in the past at other jobs. And I know Mm -hmm. exactly what to get you around and how to get you through there. And so I've taken that sort of aspect and taken it to the career coaching that I'm now doing with folks is saying, here's all the things that I, as a white male, these are the things that worked for me. And these are the things that didn't work for me. And, and here's some things for you to try. Let's go and try them. Knowing that you've got me as a person to, uh, to fall back on and say, yeah, I did reach out and this is the response I got. Okay. Here's how you should respond. Again, I think that confidence comes from knowing that you've made some mistakes, but you've got to have somebody that has your back. And so another reason, back to your earlier question, Howie, why did I start this show? I wish I would have had access to somebody like myself 15 years ago. Mm -hmm. I wish I would have had somebody who would have taken my email 15 years ago when I was like, hey, I want to get into the agency world. Yeah. This is where mentorship and, and stewardship is really a nice thing to have around the community. Yeah. You're seeing people that have enterprises built on mentorship and they're not necessarily transactional things. They're just people who want to give to other people. So there's platforms for it. And I think that's a wonderful evolution of the, the world, the, the community around us. But I'm also hearing, Kurt, so I, I still imagine that you get into situations where you don't really have a definitive answer for yep. it yet. Things like technology evolves, the marketplace evolves, appealing to people, it changes. So this confidence also, I think, comes with maybe comfort with your own vulnerability, mm-hmm. you know, uh, to, to be able to say, look, I, I just, I might, I might not know. But you also have the confidence to know every time you've said that, you have come up with a solution and your solutions are actually darn pretty, pretty darn good. Otherwise Foundry wouldn't be where it is. That just, and that also shows up not just in your technical solutions for your clients, but in your hiring. I, I imagine you don't just hire somebody on the spot, you probably go through a little dance with them before you, and you're probably looking for certain things that you learned in the past. Yep. So what is more important, Kurt, on this hiring? Is it character or is it competency? Yeah, I can. I feel like I can teach confidence, but I can't teach character. There's, uh, to your point about just being intellectually curious, I don't think is something, it's not something easily attained. It takes a long time if you haven't been born with intellectual curiosity. It takes a while to obtain the interest, the seeing of the value in it. And back to your point about being vulnerable, like I would have leaders that would say, Yeah, no, here's a statement about me being very vulnerable. And then behind closed doors, they'd be like, those idiots don't know what they're talking about. So I've definitely, I've seen that weaponized in the past in leadership is the idea of of extreme vulnerability and these types of things. But then it's weaponized in a way to end up being manipulative when they should have just been a jerk from the get-go instead of more manipulative now. It's those people that are playing the victim, right? And And when I see that, that's the thing where I see that's a character piece, right? It's not a, did they ask enough questions to not be the victim? They just decided that there's a victim, right? Right. It's lonely at the top. Wait, so you're showing a vulnerable, other people might be weaponizing it. Bottom line is you can't be all things to all people. Nope. You're going to be 
And I, when I first got into a leadership position, I think we all think that we have to know some stuff and then we get trapped in having been wrong. And then yeah. we just felt like idiots. And I have just found that showing up vulnerable, it just surrounds me with people that I care about more and they care about me. It just creates a community around me yep. that is way more wholesome and healthy and, yep. and fun because I get to show up saying, look, I'm probably going to be wrong. I, I wrote an article. My wife's a writer. She like, she teaches writing. She like really knows writing. I'm the one with the book, but she's like really a good technical writer. And, and, and she says, it's good to establish credibility so that people believe what you're going to say. When I wrote this article and it got published in the Star Tribune, this is like three, four months ago. Mm -hmm. I said, look, I, I have no business writing about this whatsoever. I show up with absolutely no credibility in this area, but here we go anyhow. And they published the whole thing, right? It just, it's actually freeing to say, look, I, I, I'm giving it my best shot, but I might not be entirely yeah. right. Take it for yeah. what it's worth and it something resonates and helps. But I just find that the community around me is also courageous and vulnerable and curious. And I just find that to be way more of a growth attitude than the Machiavellian type of leadership where I'm going to tell you what to do, just do it, and we're all going to be good. Yeah. And in my career coaching practice, I've had hundreds of clients now, two of which have now gotten jobs, which is really good. Two people out of 300, maybe. No, it's more than that, Kurt. The, they, so many come to me because of just they can't handle that autocratic micromanager anymore. Yep. It's, it's such a key. I, I just see that repeated all yep. the time. Yep. You know? and you, you nobody, says, nobody says I left my job because my boss was too authentic. Yep. You can't, um, and you can't excuse those things away. You have to address them head on. If, if that's the, if that's the world you're living in and, or it's become, maybe it was great when you first were there and now it's not, Right. it's time to really take a look outside of there. But what I've seen too, Howie, is that people give up their career for a job is that they're at a place for five, 10 years and they are all in they are part of that community. They're part of that life and they have nothing outside of that job. And that, they have no other network. They have no other prospects in the world. And that's that's another reason why people will keep continually excuse bad leadership, bad decision making, bad behavior, because it's the only world they know. And so it's easier for me um, as that employee to excuse away these things as they're, well, they're idiots, but the world didn't blow up. Nobody died. So it's fine. But if you had that broader perspective going all the way back to where we started when we were talking, Howie, about having an understanding and intellectual curiosity about what's happening in your industry, what's happening in the other people who have your job position, um, listening to podcasts about those people talk about the things they're doing, reading books about those things, reaching out and networking to those people that are working in those areas and saying, this is the experience I'm having. How's the experience you're having? Oh, it's pretty much the same. Okay, whew, the grass is not greener. It's just a different shade of green. No big deal. Or right. it's, oh my gosh, you're, you're living in Thunderdome and Master Blaster runs Thunderdome, as we all know, and you don't want to be a part of that. Yeah. So many work communities are unhealthy. Yep. And that's why I wrote the book, because I, I submit that most people have access to a community experience through their workplace. And mm -hmm. we're dropping that. We're not giving them that. 
But through what you're saying, if you're curious and you're reaching out and you're networking with other people and other industries, other companies, you're at least creating a healthy community around you that has nothing to do with the work community. Some people just have work, they go home and all they have to do is, is just try to come back down to earth every night and then right. start all over the next day. And that's where Mondays can be really awful. Yep. Yeah. It's all, it really is about community health and surrounding yourself with, with people that make you feel better. And like I say, be open to and vulnerable and courageous and yep. not, not autocracy is not, is not a healthy situation for well-being. No, because you're, the more you surround yourself with people who think like you, the more you're just going to become more like that. And if that's what you want to do, great. But if you're interested in growing and experiencing things, you've got to build community outside of that. Like I said, when I was in my early 20s, I got a chance to travel the world as part of being a professional athlete. And it really opened up my mind to a lot of different things. And I took that experience and brought it into my career. And while I was working at United Health Group in Golden Valley <laughs> during my early 20s, I spent time going to uh, meetup groups and conferences and different things to get a global perspective of what was actually happening because I was trying to build a career, not just climb the ladder. Anybody can climb a ladder, climbing a mountain. Now that's pretty impressive. And so the more that you can the more you can focus on doing that and again reaching out to people out there that have interest in helping you. They you too many people think, oh, they don't want to hear from me. So give it a try. You never know. Absolutely. I tell my clients you'll reach out for 10 networking sessions and you'll you'll get seven. Yeah. Four will be awesome. Yep. Some people just aren't that into it. They're not that receptive. But again, your self, those that whole 100%. process. People that there's plenty yep. of people that want to. I think, and I think more people want to help than not. I go through values exercises with all my clients, and on probably ninety percent of them, one of the top ten values is helping others. Yep. That's what people. That's people's purpose is generally something that is in service to other people and not themselves. But that's the thing is either you got to be very, you've got to be very intentional when you're reaching out to these people. Don't give people homework. That's the thing that drives me crazy is like people will message me and be like, Hey, I'd love to get some time to talk to you. Here's a link to my calendar. No, (laughs) I'm not going to, I'm not, I'm sorry. Like I think it's so cute. Those calendar links. And I'm sure for some people, they're super helpful. Find time on my calendar. But it's, I, don't give me homework. Don't give me stuff to do. Give me something of value. Show up with something of value. And then let me fi- help find the time that equates that level of value for me. Let me go on that thing. It's uh, Sarah who works for us. She always jokes about her, her husband has this thing where they like close out a meeting early. And they're like, oh, let me give you... Uh, let me give you some time back. And it's, oh, you're, oh, thank you for giving me my time back, <laughs> right? right? Such a misnomer, like, but it, it does, words have meaning. And so if you're asking somebody like, hey, can I pick your brain? It's no, you can't pick my brain. If you have a specific question that you would like to answer, then yeah. I know whether or not I should, I have the answer and I should talk to you, or I should schedule 15 minutes with you, or maybe I should schedule a three-day workshop with you. <laughs> Right. right. Exactly. We can retreat, Kurt. Yep, yeah, exactly. I, I looking, you're looking for perspective, but ask the question. I'm looking for perspective around an industry or a company or a marketplace. 
And then obviously for more connections, so that networking process sort of self-propagates. And never, by the way, send somebody your resume and ask them for input on it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because people's opinions of resumes are just like snowflakes. Yeah, there's nobody that, there's no gold standard for resumes. Take it. Not even close. No. And that's the thing is I feel like the more you get towards a leader position, leadership position, that's the value that leaders can really bring into an organization is the outside world and the outside perspective, not just more knowledge about how the place works. I've met so many crusty like IT people and crusty marketing people that work in large organizations for 20 years. And they know they know the ins and outs. They know when the boss like how many minutes it takes to warm their hot pocket in the microwave. You know what I mean? But they have no idea what's happening in the broader world. And they're not bringing that value into the organization. And, And that's what a true leader needs to do. And again, going back to that self awareness is understanding you don't have all the answers and your company is not going to provide you with all those answers either. And the more you want to grow in a leadership position, you've got to bring those things to the company as much as you're trying to absorb it from the company. Yeah. Curiosity counts. Yeah, exactly. All right. right, So let's close it up. We've been going, we could go on this for days. Are we over time? Okay. That's fine. fine. I want to put what, what are you thinking of next for Kurt? What's, what are you curious about? Something for well, me to think about. Mars is looking pretty sweet. I'd like to go up there maybe. No, we're launching a new company this year and we're really working on a lot of diversity, equity, and inclusion training inside of our organization, which has been um, really eye-opening and really enjoyable, to be honest. It's just I'm feeling so much growth happening between me and my partners and the, and the, and the employees. And then also for the show, I'm working on a book still. It's probably just going to be a little ebook, but it's it's a passion project of mine. And uh, yeah, honestly, I would love to be doing more live shows and more more video stuff. I mean, even though I've got a face for podcasting, people seem to enjoy the videos, so I'm going to keep doing them. So come on, you're a total stud. Look at you, man. <laughs> Look at you. Uh, I appreciate it. I'm going to follow up with you then, Kurt, okay. you know, on a regular basis on how the diversity and inclusion thing is going. I want to know what's happening in the mindsets and the behavior. Yeah, I'll tell you the first thing we did is we hired somebody to help us do it instead of doing it ourselves. That was the, mm-hmm. number, one, that was the number one thing, right? Back to yeah. my point about you don't know everything. You're going to need help from the rest of the world to get you to change and become a, the better person that you want to be. You, you can't just look in your backyard. It's been, yeah. it's been good, you know? Okay, good luck with that. Again, I, I still Thanks. don't know if anybody really knows exactly what they're talking about in that regards, but we're going to get there eventually. We're going to get there. Okay, so real quick, I just wanted to plug Howie's book one more time. <clears throat> and uh, you can find this at Amazon. And I enjoy it. I thought it was a great read. Howie, I appreciate you. I just appreciate you, Howie. You're just a, a fantastic person to have on the show. Likewise, too. We've always gone deep. Yeah, I appreciate it. Same thing. Thank you for listening to Schmidt List. If you like this episode, you'll love our new YouTube channel. Just head to YouTube and search for Schmidt List and subscribe. We'll be doing live interviews and career coaching weekly, so I'd love to see you there. If you're interested in how my company Foundry accelerates innovation, head to foundrymakes.com to check out all the work produced by our amazing team of strategists, designers, and engineers for companies of all sizes. And one last thing. Please take a moment to leave a review on iTunes as it helps other fantastic people like yourself find the show. Have a great week, everyone.